Does everybody know what time it is? Listen up, class. It's time for this week's English lesson, where we learn the difference between the words lowliest and lowest. (laughs) That's right. Turn in your homework. It's grunt work. feeling mighty good. Benny understood he had to do what he should. Lying near a pile of wood, laying it on some, playing with it some, when I... I woke up with wood. And then I immediately went back to sleep and started dreaming about Grunt Work, the only home improvement podcast that makes gravy without the lumps in it. I have no fucking idea what song that was. That, that, is, that is a very horny ZZ Top song that I found <laughs> when I googled songs about wood. It is... It is a song that is entirely about waking up with a boner, and I just have to call out that I that I subjected everybody to that. <laughs> I'm your host, Truman the Cracker Man Caps, and with me as always is my co-host Landon the Soup Man Solano. Oh, I was like, Cracker, where did that come in? Oh, okay, got it, yeah. So I, we, we go together, you're yeah, saying. We're a pair. I am saying that. I am saying that. I, I, it would have made... Truman, you're the eel to my pie. Oh, like, so, so what you're just, that, but then that sounds like I make you worse though, because if you say I've got a pie, I automatically think, oh, that's something delicious, whether it is a sweet or savory pie. When you, but then when you add eel to a pie, you have taken something that was good and pure and corrupted it beyond all repair or redemption. So this, this episode of Home Improvement takes a hard stance against eel pie and really cool sweaters. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, Man, I, even though we don't watch it together, we're having the same thoughts. Because, yeah, I think that, I think that, <laughs> I think that sweater that Tim has would be you would you would pay like ninety bucks for that on like Etsy I, now or something. I would hundred percent wear that today. Also, I feel like it's something Randy wears on the show already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's just the combination of Tim and that sweater. Like the the two of yeah. them together are bad news. They they inherently yeah. Clash. It, it did give off kind of Bing Crosby vibes, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to cross that line. Oh God, it's, it's gonna early in the episode. It's gonna be it's gonna be this. It's gonna be this for the rest uh, of the afternoon. I hope I you quit. guys are buckled in. Um. Yeah, Truman, we don't have any time to waste this oh, no, week. Shit, you're right. uh, we don't, we don't. <laughs> just like every week where we have plenty of time to waste, this week we don't because, uh, you know why? Uh, is it because of... No, actually, you know what? I'm not going to try and guess. Why, Landon? <laughs> we have a new corner. A new... Uh, yet another... We've sprouted another corner. I have to say, yeah. for a while, we haven't grown any new corners. It's been a couple seasons for it new has. corners. It has. We had some junctions. Uh, <laughs> I think at this point, our our Gruntwork Studios is an octagon. But, I, I think uh, it's <laughs> I think it's a geometric shape that only exists in computers. It is made up entirely of corners. <laughs> it's it's the geometry of Lovecraft's uh, dreams in the witch room or the witch house <laughs> that lead to other dimensions. I, our, uh, our podcast namely the is- void. Yes, exactly. Our, and our podcast is an indescribable horror that drives people insane the more they, they uh, expose themselves to it. Case in point, us at the end of every episode. Uh, this week, uh, we're in introduce Assembly Recorner. Oh, oh, hey, I like that portmanteau action. Yes, Assembly it's, Recorner. Uh, assembly Required, Tim and uh, Richard Karn's new show on the History Channel. 
uh, premiered two weeks ago. Uh, I had the date wrong in that. But as of this recording, um, not not when you're listening to it. A third episode will have been released by the time you're listening to this. But two episodes have been released at us recording. And I've watched both. Um, Truman, I, I, I know I, you, you watched part of one. I watched half of one. Now, that automatically makes it sound like I'm half-assing it here. <laughs> I watched half of one. I mean, one, we're nothing t- if not consistent. <laughs> I, I, true, true. I mean, I we both have our roles to fill. That's I'm. That's why I'm the cracker man. I crack under pressure. I, although I took copious notes on the half hour of one that I watched, and I didn't take any notes at all. So uh, we're we're balancing each other out. But between the two of us, we equal one host. Landon, what? I, okay, f- first, I think first thing. How yeah. difficult is it for you when relating something you saw in Assembly Required to refer to Richard Karn as Richard and not Al? I can't. I cannot it's, it's, do it. It is it's impossible. impossible. It's, it's so it's a hard. Feat uh, that human was not meant to undertake. Now I can I can talk about Pen Fifteen and say, oh man, Richard <laughs> Karn is so great yes. on that. It's when you put him next to Tim. Yeah, because oh, you want to say Tim and L. I yeah. think that it's a name like Batman and Robin, or you know, it's like it, it's become uh, just iconic in terms of the the. <laughs> You know, the flow of your mouth. It, it's like if Adam West's first name was Batman, and then he just played a character called Batman. And so it's like, there's Batman and Robin, and then it's when it's him and what, Burt Ward or whoever played yeah. Robin are together. It's really hard to say Batman and Burt Ward. Like, you you know. <laughs> right. right. Richard Carr needs to change his name. Anyway. Um, It, it was weird. Uh, I, I mean, to... Well, it is hard to, to say that, but um, I, I got to be honest. I was, I, I was excited to see Richard Karn on TV again, uh, particularly in a um, Al adjacent type of situation. <laughs> Al adjacent, <laughs> um, and I, I didn't quite expect the level of. Uh, uh, excitement that i had uh at at seeing richard karn on screen again yeah yes he felt it it was one of those things that's just like there are a few stand-up comedians like eddie pepitone is one of Mm. my favorite stand-up comedians the second he graces the stage it's just like i i bubbling over with joy i can't contain myself and that's how i felt seeing richard karn on screen again It, it it definitely i i too was overjoyed to see him on screen. I think why I had trouble watching the show and why I made it through <laughs> half an episode is that I kept, I wanted, I think it's the same thing that I've, we've been documenting for years on this podcast. I just always want more Richard Karn. I really yes. just want mainly just Richard Karn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so I mean, this is, this is tricky and I, I'd be surprised if we do this corner every week, but where I'm getting, um, hesitant and where I find it to be tricky is that this is a reality show so they are Tim Allen and Richard Karn it's not Tim the Toolman Taylor anymore and so I've always been hesitant to comment about a specific person yeah like we you know I think it's it's I think it's pretty clear if you listen to us you know that we have some differing opinions from Tim Allen's based on how he's (laughs) in the news but like we're not in this business to like shit on Tim Allen or like be cruel to you know Anybody, even famous people. Yeah. That said, though, I, you know, I'm not going to denigrate Tim Allen. I will say that it, it's it's a little lops. The show feels lopsided in favor of Richard Karn, where yes. it's just like Tim comes in 
and is like it almost feels like he's screwing up a well produced oiled machine with no preparation. <laughs> yes, and just like I'm just gonna wing it because I'm funny, and uh, you know I'll make it fun. I'll make whatever reaction you have funny, and then I, we'll fix the rest in editing. And 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 oh oh what editing it is it is <laughs> this editing is like being on a choppy sea you are being tossed headlong from uh, from one scene to the next with with uh, the the roughest of audio bridges um I I would I definitely agree like Richard Karn is in every sense and I'm not just saying this because of my bias he is like kind of being the consummate host he's like kind of hitting his lines doing super his super professional in, he yeah. feels prepared yeah. And Tim Allen is very much the kid who didn't do the reading and is trying to yeah. make the class laugh. And and, and there's a difference too between having uh you know different personalities where with different perspectives and different approaches, but there it's it's like one side of that falls off when it's like you could still be the you know yin to the yang, but they both have to be balanced and equal. Yes. In, in opposite directions, and it just doesn't feel that way. It, it feels like it, I, I hate the I hate this analogy, but it feels like it's running on a flat tire, and Tim it, is the flat tire. <laughs> Tim Tim flattened the tire. He stabbed it or something with his Binford sixty one hundred <laughs> screwdriver. I mean, it, it what something that it, it felt like to me, honestly. And this is, we are beginning to go up our own butt already. But this show feels a lot like a podcast. It really kind of feels like Tim and Richard, not Tim and Al, have a podcast. Because it's, it's <laughs> at least the beginning of it, it feels like before they bring in the contestants, it yeah. is really just sort of unscripted banter between two white guys. It is yeah. almost like watching, well, it felt like a, a Twilight Zone episode where I was watching the people from Home Improvement trying to do the thing that I do. <laughs> I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here, only because uh, I know that uh, production had to adjust relatively relatively quickly yes. uh, to, you know, um, fix, you know, um, adjust for the coronavirus and social distancing and the format had to really change at the last minute. So yes. like with, again, pardon the pun, that wrench thrown into the works, I feel God, like dude. they did so a, <laughs> I feel like they did a, a pretty good job at that. I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it would be like what would grunt work be if you or one or one of us, you or I, didn't watch the episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I've only watched twenty five percent as much of Assembly Required as you have, so maybe we're finding out in real time. I, um, but that's it. There, there are in both episodes. There's a moment that Richard Karn and I don't, I don't, I don't know how much of it is scripted. I don't know how much of it is off the cuff. But there's a moment in both episodes that I watched where Richard Karn has a, a one-off line that just made me lose my shit. I was so, like, I was just laughing so hard, so filled with delight. Uh, at the end, you didn't see this part of the episode you watched, but they, uh, the second challenge that they give to the contestants mm -hmm. is, uh, I guess we should, this is a brief synopsis, Assembly Required is a contestant show where they start with three uh, builders um, give them uh, a crate full of materials and a challenge to build something, uh, either using the materials in the box or whatever's in their uh, um, garage or garage. shed. Yeah, it, it's they're, basically they're... Iron Chef, but tool men. <laughs> right, right. Which is, you know, I think a really fun 
idea because allowing them to incorporate their own shop into it gets the uniqueness out and I, uh, different approaches to it. And that really made it interesting to me. You said you want to say something. I, I agree. Yes, I agree with you. I think that them being able to incorporate their own shop is cool. At the same time, 100% this is a casualty of COVID and, and you're, you're, yeah. total, you're, total, you're totally right. This, like, this show partially feels awkward because every single show feels awkward. Yes. But the fact that all of the segments are these guys in their own garages being filmed by, I don't know, their wife holding an iPhone or something means <laughs> it's like, it, it would be way better if all three of them were like in the studio and had had the ability to bring a U-Haul full of their, like if they were yes. all in the same place, I think Tim would be better too, because Tim would be interacting with them directly Agreed. and bouncing Agreed. off of them. So Probably more than anything, it's that Tim Allen isn't very good at having a three-way Zoom call and making jokes with <laughs> Richard Karn. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that the, the technology is kind of distracting and kind of uh, uh, sanitizes it a bit. And and look, and honestly, uh, I, like if I had to pretend to be interested in watching people putter around in their garage for an hour and a half on a Zoom call, I... Mm-hmm. I would not be able to feign any interest in that. So yeah. well done to, to both of the hosts. Well, and that's, I think that's a good point too, is that uh, Tim just feels restless. Uh, like yeah. he, you could tell he's like, he doesn't want to sit on the stool. He's constantly fidgeting and moving around. And it's like, he would be better with it, uh, you know, face to face. And and I hope that they get to go in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you're, you were going to talk about your favorite line and I just jumped in and just like, well, kick, it's, it's kicked kind of a, over like Tim. It's kind of like you have to watch it to really find the the humor in it. But like um, the last challenge on the episode you watched was they had to turn these leaf blowers into uh, ice melters as well. <laughs> I I did I saw the introduction to that and my note was just this is Landon's worst nightmare. They're fucking around <laughs> with leaf blowers and making them louder and more powerful and wasteful. Uh, but one of the guys um, they he designed it to look like this uh, like military blowtorch. Uh, like a military style, like that camo green and, yeah. and whatever. And uh, great. Then, then what happens is once they are done with those builds, they send them to Tim and Richard, and they Tim and Richard then test them to see. Uh, they give them points on ingenuity, functionality, and design, and uh, so you get to watch them actually play with the the toys. That's cool. And uh, Richard, there was just something about seeing. Richard Karn wielding a flamethrower and going, I'm at DEFCON 4. <laughs> that really, like, made me laugh so hard. Uh, and it was like, I didn't know I needed that in my life. And I'm glad that I have it now. Just that is that is um, that is like a motivational poster to put up on your wall. Just <laughs> Al with a flamethrower. I'm at DEFCON 4. And then in the the second episode, this was like, oh man, it just, it just kind of like tweaked at my heart a little bit, where Tim was kind of being, you know, a little gruff about something, and I don't even remember what the exact line was, but it was something about like, oh, uh, that's what God intended if he, you know, mm. if he, if in fact he did, and there's just like this perfect timed pause, and then Richard just goes, or her, oh. <laughs> Richard, we stand a hero. <laughs> He's so good. He, he it, like, it's it's the like they really have. I, did they internalize their characters from the show, or were they always both? I don't. It's a like good this. It's a damn good question. Like, um, is, I, is, I don't know. 
is Richard Karn a naturally sweet and sensitive man, or did playing Al for so long make him sweet and sensitive? <laughs> you, you, you touch the sweetness sometimes. You look into the sweetness, sometimes the sweetness looks back. Aw. Um, and I just, I, I'd be remiss if I, detective. if I didn't mention uh, their third, uh, not quite a host, but um, April Wilkerson is yes. their kind of in-studio uh, handy person that puts together all these like ingenious ideas. Each episode, she's giving you an idea for what you could do around the shop with just general easy things to do. And she always sets up some of the challenges for the second part of the episode. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was a really great dynamic she's you know very um knowledgeable obviously but like she plays off of al really well and yes you could just you, tim tim just like it feels like he doesn't quite know how to how to fit himself into the chemistry of either relationship i, I completely forcing I, it a bit it, it it feels very okay well first i want to i want to credit everyone at home who noticed that landon said tim and al and didn't even flinch didn't even notice <laughs> because that's how natural it feels secondly it is. I, I but I t- I totally agree with you. It feels like the seeing specifically the scene where she is trying to explain to, to Tim and Richard how to how the fire extinguisher works, and she's like giving this very knowledgeable description, and like Al, damn it, Richard is listening and nodding <laughs> along, but Tim is just like miming like he's drinking out of the right. the fires, just doing prop comedy with it. It really felt like a scene from The Office where Pam is like. <laughs> trying to explain something to Michael and Michael is doing <laughs> improv. <laughs> and that's oh, that seems to be the dynamic where Al is like if there is if I don't know, Al isn't like Jim, but Al yeah. also Al is Richard and never mind. I'm not going to try and combine uh <laughs> assembly required in the office. We don't need that. I, to me it felt more like an outtake from Home Improvement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just you expect to hear like the kind of uh like incidental like in the background yeah, and like exactly you know carmen finiestra's name is flashing up it's last minute bloops um so last i'll say about this is um you know i i i i did go into this i, I realized based on you know the six seasons of us doing our show it could sound like i have a bias against tim allen going into it and i really tried to set that aside and i'm trying to look at it objectively and, you know, I, I'm willing to uh, acknowledge his personality on this particular show it just isn't for me. I, I But I love Richard Karn. It's kind of a weird balancing act. Um, but I'm trying to be objective about it. And I don't – I'm not just out to do a hit job on Tim Allen. So yeah, yeah. when we cover this again in the future because uh, Assembly Required falls on the same night that uh, The Curse of Oak Island does. So I'm already watching <laughs> History Channel. <laughs> But, but not to segue straight off of that, but well, I, I found this on History Channel's website. I was able to stream it for free, both uh-huh. commercial breaks. Seeing ads for all of the other History Channel content, I was really just like, wow, you really are leaning into Midwest dads, aren't you? It's <laughs> it's like, I thought there was a lot of World War II content on this channel before, but it's really cranked up. And then also, oh, an entire, like there's this whole series about... Uh, American food magnates that's all about like <laughs> these men worked hard and raised up from nothing and, yeah. and pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and it's just oh well it's, okay respect uh, I mean you know that's fine if you want to watch that I don't know I mean they're I, whatever I don't need to get into defensiveness over the History Channel they do have some shows and The Curse of Oak Island is one of them that feels less like the that <laughs> it's mm-hmm. there i mean there's definitely it's the history channel so clearly it's playing into like could this be 14th century 
uh, Middle Eastern Templars or uh, Middle East Templars coming to the island before the known uh, inhabitants of North America. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a uh, if so. There's a very specific type of show called uh, the if show uh, if so type of show. <laughs> It rhymes. That's that right. his That's one that if, spit that the History Channel canceled. is <laughs> the History Channel is based on. I feel like, uh, yeah, that like puts out a premise and then just goes. If so, blah 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 blah, and if so, blah 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 blah. Commercial break. Okay, yeah. we're and then comes back. It's like we're catching up with blank and blank, and they are. Um, you know, investigating this, and then they'll just come up with like a, a sliver of wood and go, a sliver of wood found 80 feet under the ground? Could this mean that there is uh, activity of human whatever? And if so, that, 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 that. <laughs> and I'm like, it sometimes makes me wonder, are we where we're at as a society? <laughs> because we've just, we, we've uh, <laughs> enabled the if soers. A little too far. I I think I that the, that we have this belief that like well we have no proof for this but someone thinks it therefore it is worthy of saying to everybody. <laughs> now it's also though ironic because in the night's episode we were recording just before this I told yeah. a whole big anecdote that I said up front. <laughs> this is based on something my dad said to me when I was yeah. ten that I have never bothered to verify and just took as the gospel. So <laughs> I'm I'm equally guilty of it. I mean, I feel like yeah. this this show is basically uh, is that. And also, I would never malign. I, I shouldn't malign History Channel as a whole, nor should I judge any any channel by the promos for one specific type of. Uh, Their promos are pretty bad, though. Programming on it, yeah. Well, hey, you know, there's uh, and there's plenty of bad stuff on the Sci-Fi Channel too, but they still made Battlestar Galactica. So, okay, I hope you edit most of this out because we have a long episode ahead of us, and we got to get to it. I, I have I have just only one other thing to say. Only one other thing okay. to say is that the the challenge that I saw, they had to build these fire extinguishers, and then in their garages, these three dudes had to use the fire extinguishers to spray a jet of water 10 feet and yeah. extinguish a candle. And so this, there's these scenes of them competing, and it's just, uh, it's, it's, the the show at this point becomes three middle-aged men uh, <laughs> struggling and competing to squirt water across a room at a candle while being excitedly encouraged by two older men. And, um, you know, I just leave that there, but it just... Uh, I'll, I'll, I have a way to sum that up. Yes. I went to a carnival with a friend as a kid, as a, as a teenager. <laughs> okay. And I was old enough to have nostalgia for playing, you know, the dollar games. Mm-hmm. And I put a dollar down to do the throw a, you know, um, knock the cans over. Yeah. And, of course, I threw it and missed the cans completely. Mm. And he's like, okay, if you want another ball, it's another dollar. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. And as we're walking away, my friend just goes, you just paid a dollar to throw a beanbag at a wall. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it was honestly a moment that changed the perspective of my life. <laughs> That's brilliant, man. That is. <laughs> wow. Wow, man. How did you not tell me that story sooner? I feel like this is a real epiphany that I've had now. 
uh, I don't know. It was a it was a moment of enlightenment for me. But um, I, I mean, I, when you think about our server costs for this show, um, <laughs> I don't know. Si- similar similar things apply. It's a um, metaphor that follows me throughout my life. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <sighs> but we Landon. watch episodes of Home Improvement on this show. Yes, and yes, we did we that do. this week. And I watched the entire episode. <laughs> Good. Me too. Yes, um, Landon. Yeah, I mean. Should I ask you what your reflections on this episode were? Or I, wait, think no. we should, I think we should continue to be coy week after week about yeah. <laughs> doing the synopsis. Actually, wait, no. I think what I should really ask you is, yeah, do you have a synopsis of what happened this week on Home Improvement? Because we talked about Assembly Required for so long that I forgot yeah. how this podcast works. <laughs> uh, I do have a synopsis, and it goes Go. something like this. <clears throat> I, I never know if I should leave in the throat clearing or not when I'm editing. It's like, is this intentional? Is it part it's of the performative? Body? Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, okay. it's performative, not functional. Okay, everyone enjoy uh, it then. Here we go. It's Thanksgiving, and as Tim doles out the invites for dinner, he decides that he doesn't want. Uh, he decides he doesn't want to pass one to Benny. You think I could write? And this isn't even handwritten, and I can't even read my own writing. <laughs> you gotta find. Don't write this shit in web webdings, man. It doesn't make. Any- <laughs> It's Thanksgiving, and Tim, as Tim doles out the invites for dinner, he decides he doesn't want to pass one to Benny. Who can blame him? Hmm. Uh, however, while picking up Randy from helping out at the soup kitchen, Tim spots Benny in line and assumes that he is destitute. Guilty over his decision not to invite him, and inspired by a Rankin and Bass fever dream, uh, he calls Benny up and asks him to join the family for dinner. It turns out, though, that Benny's just gonna Benny, <laughs> and uh, he isn't destitute. He's just a slimy asshole who steals food from the hungry because it's free and he likes it. Is that uh, was that oh, oh. too cynical? No, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think it. Uh, no, I think I mean, a you summed it up really well. I just love that you can uh, you can see the synopsis as your descent into fury as <laughs> it's, it's Benny little, always does. It's a small encapsulation of how I feel about this episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. I although honestly, the jokes really on on the tailors for thinking that there was any kind of goodness to Benny. Like the moral of the story True. is don't trust Benny. The the show yeah. puts forth a really good message about Benny and why we shouldn't ever trust him or give him the benefit of the doubt. And it, it teases like, well, we'll look at there in due time. But before we do that, we have a little segment that we have uh, called "Guess That Title." Okay. I want to just, uh, per Landon's mention about the Rankin and Bass thing, I want to let everyone know at home that the, um, uh, you know, a big portion of this episode, I, my titles won't make sense unless I unless I get this out. A big portion okay. of this episode takes place in, like, stop motion with wooden figurines, and a lot <laughs> of jokes are made about them being wooden figurines. Yes. Okay. So my first option for a title. Uh-huh. Tim's Got Wood. <laughs> Second option, <laughs> just let that one go. <laughs> just let that one go. I mean, it's floating down the stream like a like, like a cat sticks. in a blanket. A cat in a blanket. Oh my god, that's awful, dude. <laughs> I watched too many Argento movies. Uh, um, second option, I would if I could. Hmm, I like you that know? one. Thank you, thank you. Because I, it's like I would be more generous. I would be more out. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, next one. Benny for your thoughts. <laughs> Cl- 
<laughs> you got a reaction out of me. So clearly, I, I know, uh, I know. I mean, that's, clearly, I like it. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, but also sometimes you just laugh because you're nervous or to fill space. So I never really know if I've been funny. Um, <laughs> that's where I like to leave people. <laughs> uh, never sure how you stand with me. I'm just always dancing on a razor's edge with you, Landon. I think that's what makes our friendship so good. Um, fourth one. Would you lend a hand? I really okay. found this is this is the same approach that I take to my work in advertising. I find one turn of phrase that I like, yeah. I bludgeon it to death. I don't try to innovate beyond that or think about anything. I'm else. not saying you're on the wrong track. Okay, okay, fair, fair. All right, well then this last one is definitely gonna be it. This last one will will knock it out of the park. Okay. In for a Benny, in for a pound. <laughs> Parentheses uh. of turkey. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe I don't know which one is stronger. Uh, Benny, for your thoughts, I think uh, I, I feel like there could be a better episode for that title. Uh, I yeah. really like uh, I would if I could. I think that's my my pick for this episode. But um, I'll give you the clue. Okay. But I, I'd be it's it's kind of a well, it is what it is. Um, the clue is oh, I want this to be accessible to all listeners because uh, I can <laughs> give you one based on our night's episode, but. Um, it's a play on a movie, okay. and you're not far off from uh, the track you were on uh, in terms of you know what you were chasing. Okay, okay. It's the name of a movie, and it probably involves wood. It is okay. Stab in the dark. Ed okay. Wood. Oh, interesting. We do have an Ed Wood connection in this episode, but nope, that's not it. That's the sound of your chalupas flying out the window. Okay, what what, uh, what is it? How did I let us know how I failed the, the listeners? The wood, the bad, and the hungry. <sighs> That's really fucking good. <laughs> that is outstanding. I that they've had a couple of real humdinger titles this season. I, I agree. Yeah, uh, <sighs> I, I really enjoy it. Um, oh my this episode God, is good. broadcast on November 26, 1996, directed mm. by Joffrey Nelson and written by Adam England, who we saw earlier um, for Whose Car Is It Anyway? This is the second episode, so. That, that, okay, also also pretty enjoyable episode. Um, yeah. God damn it, that title is so good. I'm going to be glowing all week thinking <laughs> about that awesome title. I know, even <laughs> if Even if I had picked up on what you were hinting at i never would have landed the hungry that's yeah, just I know. that's it's got layers man it's like shrek <laughs> um landon what did you think of this episode um oh, okay uh so in thinking about writing my reflections here i literally said jesus fucking christ and i put my head on the desk and uh just like the task seemed a little too great for me at the moment <laughs> oh landon um, my feelings about Benny are really well known, and there are some merits to this episode that are just so overshadowed by him. Um, I, I feel it, there, there's there's also um, just a I don't I can't quite find the right word for it. I don't know if it's uh, inauthentic or disingenuous, but there's just there's something about Tim doing these like message episodes where he so clearly stands in contrast to the thing that he's preaching that somehow 
I don't know if this metaphor applies, but it just somehow feels like George W. standing in front of a mission accomplished banner. <laughs> I mean, does I that make can, any sense at all? I, I can see a little bit where you're coming from, just in that the way the way Tim that like Tim's whole vibe in this episode, which is that you have to um, you have to share and recognize that you're part of a community and a collective and you owe it to yourself to stand up for the little guy and look out for people who are less fortunate feels disingenuous from a man who has behaved so historically selfishly and insensitively. And, Um, and it's also played out in who he sees as that type of person. Like the fact that he thinks Benny is someone he has to reach out to and help is like, you're really missing the point. <laughs> I mean, it does to, for him to believe that Benny is genuinely in bad straits and is at the soup kitchen because he needs help more than anything. It's an indictment of Tim, not knowing his sleazy shitty friend very well. Like, I mean, it, like, <laughs> like, Tim, like when he calls Benny at one point in the episode, he's like, Benny, I, you know, he leaves a voicemail. It's like, I don't know if you still live here anymore, but it's like, how do you not? I mean, I get that you don't like him, but you don't even know where he lives. Like, uh, yeah, it, well, I mean, I, it, it, this is where the conflict comes in for me because it's like I, on another level, it's Benny and I get it. Like, I wouldn't want to put that effort in either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK, so it, it really it, it's it's maybe this shines a light on your inter like every man's internal struggle with their inner Benny and that we all fight against the urge to just go to the soup yeah. kitchen because it's easy and we're lazy. So, OK, here uh, talking to you help me solidified my thoughts here which oh, is good i like the message of this episode i don't like the execution of this episode and i also think there are some really creative uh stretches here that we haven't quite seen we, we, we've seen weird hints of on the show in the past but i, I kind of like when they get a little wacky and wild and creative uh um, yes i just don't like the execution of a lot of it so mm-hmm. there there i am being pulled in you know uh multiple directions by four different horses Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I guess my reflections would be that I uh, really liked this episode. I really liked the moral of this episode. I really thought the execution of this episode was great. <laughs> so once again, this show drives a wedge between us. <laughs> I think it's the. I mean, I really think that we are. Our prolonged exposure to this show has driven us two different types of insane. I think that it is. Yeah. I think that it. You have. You're polarizing against it, and I am polarizing towards it in hopes that if I show it love, it will love me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, at a certain point, I'm hoping that the polar ends of a magnet reattract to one another. I that yeah. I mean, I look. I'm, you know, as an ICP fan, fucking magnets, how do they work? <laughs> I, I don't really know, but I, I, I don't know. And look, with total respect, I completely respect where you're coming from, and I totally see how you got to that point. I think that honestly, and I, I think that honestly, much like with last week's episode, or last fortnight's episode, where I went into it thinking, like, oh yeah, this episode was great, this was amazing, and then we talked, and you hated it, and then we talked through it, and I realized, oh, yeah, there was a lot of bullshit up front before we got to that last scene that I liked so much that left me with the good vibes coming out. I think... <laughs> Uh, I think uh-huh. a similar thing here. I was so utterly bewitched by the uh, stop motion segments, yeah, and so in awe and and 
shocked at how good it looked that I think that put a rosy sheen on the rest of the episode for me. So maybe when we crack I, I, it open, I'll... And I loved those segments as well. Well, I don't even want to say that. I can't even... This whole show has me split straight down the middle. I feel like my brain's being pulled in half, and, like, half of it loves what's happening, and the other half is like, yeah, but... Uh, who whoever did we ever think four years ago when we came up with the idea for this podcast that it would be such a wrenching intellectual exercise no. for us to say whether we enjoyed an episode or not? Uh, <laughs> we, no, not we at have all. To delve so deep into the nature of man and our innermost psyche. To, <laughs> what do we actually believe? What is a show? <sighs> well, speaking of delving deep, why don't we get into this existential bullshit and uh, go into the deep dive? Yes, I mean, we've been talking for about 10 minutes longer than the episode, so I think now is a good time to start talking <laughs> about the episode. So Okay, I'm going to go on a tangent immediately. This uh, is great. Okay, buckle in for the... This, will this episode be longer than the movie Heat? We'll see. <laughs> the whole show, it starts on Tool Time. Uh, the Grunt Creep is uh, hiding behind a little Tool Time logo, uh, which is, I have to imagine, another portal to the void. Mm-hmm. And I just want to ask, uh, do you think that um, logos are just – any logo is a portal for the Grunt Creep? Oh, that's very interesting. That's very – so you mean – so any logo of of not just Home Improvement but like the Ford logo, the Grunt Creep can teleport sure, why not? That? I mean, I mean, in context of the, the show – the home improvement logo has really no bearing on the tool time logo. So mm. that is really no different than the Benford logo or the Ford logo or what have you. So um, why not? I mean, that sounds plausible. Would you say then that each logo has its own affiliated creep and that they interact <laughs> with one another and maybe do battle in the spirit realm? Well, we, we've had uh, those questions before. Considering how much the 80s and 90s loved claymation and stop-motion animation, I have to imagine there was an anthropomorphized logo at some point beyond the Home Improvement logo. Oh, certainly, certainly. In a commercial, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the Noid wasn't a logo, and I feel like I've even talked about this before, but I feel like the Grunt Creep and the The Noid are... Yeah, oh, the Seven Up dot. Yeah, Chester Cheeto. um, Uh I I feel like those... That's more of a mascot than the logo itself. Yeah, but maybe I don't know. I, I for the, for the mascot and logo cinematic universe I'm dreaming up that I think will be very easy to find funding for. Uh, I I feel like it, you have to include mascots in that because they get the most eyeballs. Yeah. I don't By know. the way, there's a short film called Logorama, which is oh. really amazing. Have you seen it? I, I've seen I've seen clips of it, uh, and I've read the Wikipedia article about it, which is my reaction to most pieces of culture. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh i don't believe the home improvement logo exists anywhere in it which is unfortunate but well, it seems um, like an oversight it would it's it is like putting the idea of logos and mascots into a, a heat sort of scenario in a big car chase to tie in our nights episode so oh wow okay everything's okay. been leading Very to me brand. mentioning logo around here <laughs> uh it's just it's it's so you know we, we planned all of this out it's like a christopher nolan movie <laughs> so we're starting out on tool time A no longer pregnant Heidi is in the audience between two dudes asking if they know what time it is. It's tool time. Presumably. Well, the character of Heidi is not pregnant. Is she in the audience behind those people because she's (laughs) Debbie Dunning is still pregnant? Perhaps. Possibly. Possibly. That could be true. We don't know when they shot this opening. Um, But Tim and Al come out both wearing aprons and they wish Mm -hmm. everybody a happy Thanksgiving because... It's fall themed. I love the like... uh, elementary style everybody write their name on a leaf and we'll put it around the the door frame of the bay doors 
Tra- trace your hand on a piece of construction paper. It's a turkey <laughs> exactly. now. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tim explains that to a man, Thanksgiving means two things. Uh, I didn't hear what the first thing was, but the second one is carving up that bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, sh- really sharp knives and carving up the bird. Oh, God, I'm glad I missed the first thing. Uh, yeah, but they are now in honor of that on their tool sh- This seems like they're really stepping on cooking with Irma's territory, I have to say, <laughs> because they're going to have a turkey carving contest, the, yeah. a race, the Butterball 500. And it just yep. seems like you, you're, you're a tool show that immediately preempts a cooking show. Why are you doing a cooking bit unless Irma is going to then, like, degrease an engine? Does Irma use a chainsaw? You know, that's a good point. Well, honestly, there is that, okay, the electric turkey carver, for example, yeah. that Frankenfurter uses in Rocky Horror Picture Show to carve up Eddie's corpse to serve to uh, the gang, uh, that's kind of like a chainsaw. I it mean, is, yeah. That's, just that's, that is the further. chainsaw of the kitchen, for sure. Uh, yes, yes. The ch- and... I love that every appliance has its has its kitchen equivalent. You know what is it? What is it? What is a spatula if not the trowel of the kitchen? Um, but so they're going to have this turkey carving race, yeah. and they got some special guests. Couple of brothers, couple Italian brothers. They're not brothers. They're not related brothers. through paternal not lineage. Not uh, every Italian is brothers with one another. I, and they're not I, all plumbers or pizzeria owners. <laughs> okay, but but they do have mustaches, though, right? No, neither of them have a mustache. Okay, I, I couldn't remember. This pre- prejudice has clouded my, my memory. But uh, it is <laughs> Mario and I'm thinking Luigi Andretti. <laughs> Mario and Michael. Which one's the father? Uh, well, neither of them is the father because they are brothers. They both have a daddy who, you know, and, and they're related <laughs> to one another through him. Uh, but they're back in town to carve turkeys. Can we can we just call them the Andrettis rather than the Andretti brothers? I mean, how that you... solve the problem? It, I, well, I don't think there's a problem, Landon. I just recognize <laughs> the relationship between the Andrettis in a way that you seem to have difficult. I mean, there would be no problem if you wouldn't okay. if you wouldn't object to my view of the world. As soon as they don't, came out, don't be so divisive, Landon. <laughs> America's trying they... to come together. As soon as they came out, uh, I immediately. Reg- you know, uh, had a pang of like, oh, I miss sitting on the couch with Truman. Oh, uh, because I'm like, this is where I thought that it would have begun to to keep our, um, you know, opinions in alignment, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that the Andretti's were about to uh, come out or did come out, and knowing how you feel about them from their previous episode. <laughs> Do you think that their acting has improved? I don't. I think I'm too close to this thing to have an opinion. <laughs> In that I didn't understand a word that came out of their mouth. Um, yes, I do. I, I, I mean, so yeah, just like Brando. Therefore, they got better. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you one thing I liked about them. Uh, they they race out their little tables with their turkeys on it. Um, they still had the they put the sponsor logos on their tables <laughs> like they were uh, their cars. Yes, yes, and they've also got with them uh, some like NASCAR or IndyCar. Yeah, Jim. IndyCar announcer, Jack Aroot. He's yes. uh, um, actually a uh, a real person hmm. who, uh, I guess we'll go into Cameo Actor Corner. We're not going to do it for the Andretti's because they've been on the show before. But Jack Aroot, um, he is currently a Sirius XM host. He works as uh, worked as a sportscaster for the NFL and college sports and hmm. a sideline reporter for ESPN and ABC uh, doing NASCAR and IndyCar stuff. So 
Yeah, okay, good for him. He he, real guy he, doing real things. He calls and he do like this real thing. Uh, a bunch of people carving up turkeys on a <laughs> uh, on a TV show. Um, but yeah, they all line up, and there's this big dramatic pan, or like I don't know if that like just down the line of these four dudes already to carve these these uh, twenty yeah. pound turkeys. They've all got a knife and those tongs. Al. Does he spin the knife around on his hand or the tongs around on his hand? <laughs> I think it was the tongs. That's probably true. I want to believe it was the knife. I want to believe that that Al is an android like Bishop in Aliens and he can do cool <laughs> <He's> knife <laughs> tricks. <laughs> He's working at Benny Hanna after tool time. <laughs> Benny's Hanna? Oh, also no. potential name for this. Oh episode. no. No. So the guy waves a green flag. Yeah. And everybody starts starts cutting uh, their turkeys, and uh, Tim is immediately bad at it yeah he goes tim uh the announcer uh announcing you know commentating this whole thing uh is saying oh they're off to a racing start blah 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 blah. they get down to tim he's like and tim is surprisingly the slowest now truman i i realize i've spent this whole entire episode uh complaining and criticizing tim yes i'm gonna i'm gonna pay him a compliment here oh very good very good <laughs> which is so shocking that I have to preface it. Yeah, I know. I know. This is this is uh this is Landon saying something complimentary about Tim Corner. You look at what Michael's doing uh before we even got to Tim. I'm like, what are they like Mario is is dealing with the drum legs first. He's he's peeled one off. Michael has he's like He's doing the white meat, going down the side of, you know, of the breast mm-hmm. and like doing slices that are so big and thick i'm like what the there's no person on earth who could fit that size of a turkey slice in their mouth Mm -hmm. uh l is also working on a drumstick they get to tim tim seems to be the only one actually carving it in a way that would be (laughs) applicable for a thanksgiving dinner Okay, so so Tim is like Tim is playing a different kind of game. Basically, he's like do, going for style points or actual edibility, whereas the others are just like get meat off bone. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, so, like, if they had played this thing through to the conclusion, you would have had just pot, platters of really sloppy, you know, cut meat on all of them. And Tim's, while he would have you know been the turtle across the finish line, would have had a very nicely functional dinner to be able to serve to people so so when we tallied the scores from all the judges like tim might have come in last in the speed category but he would have raked in such high marks for uh uh (laughs) for the size and and shape of the uh slices that he cut that he would win on that alone emphasis on might have (laughs) because he he opts to uh forego the (laughs) the daintiness of what he's doing and go for speed, and so he just wields a chainsaw from under the desk and slices uh, slices the bird in half like he's Leatherface. You know, solid, solid cold open. You know, just solid. Like, that's what you'd expect on the show. I got a chuckle out of it. No, you know, no pointless cruelty, just shenanigans and jokes and japes and a couple of fun-loving, wacky Italian brothers. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. This is again. This is me. Just like the home improvement episode is always half full now. That's that's how I'm. That's how I'm handling <laughs> was, one year of quarantine. It was harmless. I it it swayed me neither one way or the other. Okay. Okay. That's good. Well, there there at least we are in agreement. Yes. Exactly. So we get a chainsaw transition to the theme song. I have a note, but we're already running long, so I'm going to save it for next week. Oh wow. Um, okay. Just leave us on our on the edge. Hey, Tune man, in next I gotta, week. <laughs> got to keep people coming back. Uh, we cut to the kitchen. 
Jill is making room in the fridge for an eel pie that Wilson brought over. Yes, a uh, which she explains to Mark. It's a traditional pilgrim thing, which explains why there are no more pilgrims. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, and they uh, Mark mentions that Wilson's not coming to Thanksgiving this year, so why don't we throw it out? Wilson, we don't see physical Wilson in this episode. No, not at all. We do see... Um... Well, we'll get to it. Uh, spoiler alert for uh, pe- pe- what's about to happen. Yeah, pe- spoiler alert for people who skipped the first 20 minutes of our... Well, actually, I don't blame you for skipping the first 20 minutes of our podcast. That's usually some of the worst stuff. <laughs> we are the reason the 36 skip-ahead button works. Yes. 30 seconds skip-ahead. Um, I, I was going to save this for later in the episode, uh, but I'm going to ask you now, and I have an answer, uh, should you not know, but um, are you familiar with eel pie? I, I assumed it was just a one-off goof for this episode. Is that a thing? <laughs> no, it's it's a real thing. Yep. Um, it, so it's it's is it a traditional pilgrim thing? <laughs> it's uh, kind of. Um, it's a pie. More popularly, it's called jellied eels. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a, yeah. So it's yeah. like jelly uh, eels and mash is basically these uh, um, uh, stores and and restaurants that were opened in the 18th century, apparently, and. Um, you can turn it into a pie for, I guess, a festive occasion, which is what um, what Wilson did. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> well, do do you want to know what it tastes like? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, enlighten me. I, I mean, I'm I, I was not gonna try I was it. curious because before I became a vegetarian, my favorite sushi uh, roll was the eel roll. Oh, okay. And so, like, I've I've had eel. I know what that's all about to a certain degree, as far as sushi is concerned. Uh, and I'm like. I, I like that. Is it just that in pie form? Um, this, according to this website, eatyourworld.com. <laughs> it says, is, it, uh, is it hosted by Jimmy by any chance? <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, as for the taste, once you get past the soft texture, which can be off-putting, mm. the taste is great. It's mild and slightly salty, not at all fishy. Um, as far as the eel, there's just one bone in an eel to eat around, so it makes yeah. it easy to to do this. Um, apparently, <laughs> eel uh, has a natural gelatin that forms around it. Oh, well, who doesn't have a natural gelatin that forms around them? Am I right, folks? <laughs> this guy knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and so, like, to, that's what they would use to do the jelly deal, but now they uh, add, you know, gelatin to it. Uh, in addition to the the natural gelatin, that, which I assume will have like some sugar and, and ingredients in it, but mm, okay, so it might might give it a little more of a sweet kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna get this gross picture off my screen unless you have any questions about jelly deals. <laughs> I no, okay, so it just seems <laughs> I have so many questions about jelly deals. Who doesn't wake up each morning with burning questions <laughs> about jelly deals? I guess the one thing is that okay, if they're now adding gelatin to it, it's you are uh-huh. taking a pie made out of eels and you are then adding horse hooves. <laughs> to it (laughs) when the first pie and mash shops began opening in the 19th century jellied eels and stewed eels boiled and served hot were the only other item on the menu um in addition to mash anyway if if this if this podcast runs as long as the movie heat the truman and landon discussing jellied eels segment is like is like de niro and pacino in the coffee shop this is this is the the height of dramatic tension you want, hey, point you want well to get a cup of jelly deals? You sounded like Ray Romano screaming from a rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know that he auditioned for Al Pacino's role in Heat, right? 
She's got a great big ass! And you got your head all up in it! It's not even a very good Ray Romano impression. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, but I just want to keep hearing you do it, thinking about what your neighbors are thinking. <laughs> you know, my neighbors don't think about me when they play uh, Call of Duty with the volume up. Okay. There you go. Okay, here we go. Uh, Randy comes down and says that he's going to be working the soup kitchen around Thanksgiving, including on Thanksgiving Day. Mom, is that okay? And she says yes, and she says she's so proud that family values have rubbed off on him, giving to others and taking care. And right on cue, Tim walks in with a turkey going, we got the last one, it's mine, mine, mine. And um, that's a joke. It's a joke, it's a thing. From there, <laughs> we get a, Yeah, we get a shopper transition. Yes. Uh, a shopper walks by the frame, swiping it to Harry's hardware, where Al and Harry, who apparently still operate together, yeah, I, that kind of got lost. Question we had it? back from Al's video, which it seems like Al had no say in the store. Yeah. Um, they have a holiday sale, and uh, the two of them are just lamenting at how quick the holidays come up. Yeah, and Tim is already preparing for his annual Christmas light contest. He's got a rain, like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, that he's going to hook up to a powerful transformer so the nose will glow extra bright. Okay, uh, I have questions here too. Yes. Sorry to. I, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be stopping the podcast over and over and over again because there's so many point of orders in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we we've got to handle all the points. It's grunt work. Okay. First of all, he comes in and uh, Marty is there. We haven't eh, seen Marty in a while. Eh, uh, we have not. So it's always a, um, a pleasant surprise to see Marty. Yeah. Though he doesn't show up to the dinner, which is strange, but whatever. I, well, yeah, there's like some weird thing about like, <laughs> yeah, I'm with the in-laws this like this year. But it's I, like, which well, I thought was an excuse. I thought he was going to Tim's. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I don't. Well, because they also say something about like, oh, sorry, I can't join you this year, Tim. But it's like, well, wait, why can't why don't you just do one big dinner? I mean, I'm not going to criticize their family, but yeah, yeah whatever. Their fake um, family that doesn't exist. But, Mar- Marty asks, uh, you know, are you, you know, going to be getting a, a jump start on the uh, the Christmas light competition this year? And Tim's like, you bet uh, this year I have a whole new strategy. I'm going to try to intimidate Doc Johnson. Uh, and one of the best lines of the episode, Marty goes, because Tim's carrying this like gigantic Rudolph head. <laughs> Marty just goes, what are you going to do? Stick a reindeer head in his bed? <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> and then Tim goes on to say, no, I just want this to shine, you know, the nose to shine incredibly bright. Now, this is another point of order right on back to back here, back to back point of orders. Oh, man, he must be going I've, crazy. These prices are so low, <laughs> which I have abbreviated in my notes as poo, P-O-O, <laughs> point of order. Um, oh, I, you made I quite a, a mess. Tim wants to make sure this light, Rudolph's nose, shines incredibly bright. And he asks Harry, you know, what do you think will work for this? And uh, Harry goes, well, you'll need a uh, 50-volt battery. um, But knowing you, uh, you'll want the 1,000-volt and slams his battery on the counter. Here's the point of order. I'm not – I know nothing about electronics. Yes. But to me, amping up the voltage and not the wattage of the bulb, (laughs) it seems like you're just going to blow the bulb. Yeah, but, I mean, that's never stopped Tim from doing it before. I I, I mean, I I think that... I agree, but it's Harry making the suggestion. Yeah, because because Harry's going to be the one who sells Tim the replacement bulb that can handle that wattage. This is this is business. This is how the shop stays okay, open. Okay, that makes sense. See, this is why I need to do the point of order so that we can resolve these with logic and reason. Listen, I'm glad that you flung that poo at me, Landon. Keep it coming. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Al asks Tim, uh, well, when should we come over for dinner? 
<laughs> and yeah, Tim says, well, dinner's at four, uh, dinner's at three o'clock. So why don't you come around six? Uh, yeah, you know, and, uh, but then I, you know, it just doesn't deserve comp- comment really, I guess. And then, uh, <laughs> that's why we commented on it and then commented that we shouldn't have commented. <sighs> Boy, how did the episodes get so long? And then, <laughs> Then it comes up that, oh, Tim doesn't want to invite Benny this year because, yeah, yeah and everyone's good. shocked. Yeah, good, yeah, uh, good idea. Who, who's, why are any of them shocked? I, well, I think I think it's not so much that they're shocked is, as they are like, well, we don't want to have to deal with Benny this year. If he doesn't go to your yeah. place, then we have to handle him. <laughs> right, but right, okay. Tim, by way of explanation, Tim says, last year he ate 12 pounds of turkey, drank the gravy out of the boat, and started bobbing for marshmallows and the sweet potatoes. Harry says, you did the same thing. And Tim goes... My house, which <laughs> my house, my rules. <laughs> I really like that. A, yeah, that was a good line. That was, like it, was, that. it was funny. Yeah. Um, and Cue this, Benny, of yes. course. Benny comes in carrying a plate of food. Apparently it was sample day at the supermarket. Uh, and he has a plate of imitation crab puffs, which he offers to Marty. <laughs> I, I, They write for Marty so well. And William O'Leary just knocks out every line that he's ever given. So he goes, he offers this imitation crab puff to Marty. And Marty just goes, no, it gives me imitation hives. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty good. And I would be remiss if I didn't just toss out there, Marty. Um, But (laughs) yeah, and so Marty gets out of there because he wants to avoid this awkward conversation. And then Benny basically sidles up to tim and is angling for an invite sidle is a good word for benny benny doesn't walk he sidles all he can do is sidle no no one ever if there's no one around benny to for benny to sidle up to he lumbers yes those are the two movements he does he has two speeds lumber and sidle and no (laughs) i think that i think that no one has ever no one has ever lumbered or sidled with a with an honest purpose. Like no one ever like <laughs> si- sidles sidles up to an old lady to help her across the street, or like lumbers over to the bank to correct the the banking error <laughs> right. that resulted in them having an extra two hundred dollars in their account. It's it's always yeah. dishonest actions. That's how you lumber and sidle. Hey, Granny, wanna arm across the street? Ugh! Don't even say it that way. It sounds like you're propositioning her. Is that, that was some me new just... move the kids do? <laughs> What's the arm across the, the street? Called the um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he sidles over to Tim and starts fishing for his invite. Hey, Timmy. Hey. <laughs> this is not his voice at all, but it's it's. I'm giving him a Jerry Lewis it's, it's, uh, it's, obnoxiousness. It's as good as my Ray Romano, yeah. <laughs> hey, Timmy. <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming up. I still haven't gotten my invite. edging into baby huey uh and tim tells him that this year they've decided to go with family and uh benny you know sidles away from tim sidles up to al well he sidles up to everybody asking them what they're doing and they've all got excuses all all the while like still holding this plate and like talking with his mouth open like okay i get it and walks over what are you guys doing for thanksgiving uh, 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 I'm, I'm having, uh, I'm having dinner with Dolores's evil twin or something like that. I guess that's <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor in the room. Um, but oh <laughs> yeah. And then, but then he goes up to Al and this is, this is a piece of good writing, by the way, that I we see Al. Tim invite. Yeah. I love Al too. That we see Tim inviting Al before Benny gets there. So we, we, the audience knows that Al is invited. <laughs> we know that Al has to lie and Al cannot do it. He's like, <laughs> Benny asks, you know, Al, what he's doing for Thanksgiving, and Al is going like, I'm, I'm not eating. 
<laughs> and, and and Benny, the great mouse detective, immediately puts this together. It's like, you were invited to Tim's, weren't you? Because Tim has been, like, coughing and trying to encourage Al to lie. Yeah. You know. Uh, and, and he gets uppity, and Tim's like, well, you know, um, we're just doing family this year. He's like, oh, so he made it into the family, and I didn't? Boy, I tell you what, I don't need nothing from nobody, as he piles on free donuts to his crab cake plate and then walks out. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was just like, oh, it's been so long since I've looked at that donut plate and been able to think about the concept <laughs> of a store that just has complimentary full fucking donuts sitting out never, for patrons. It'll never happen again. I know, That man. was a product of the 90s. That was, that, was, that was Clinton's America. The economy was in super drive, and you could just... you could, Donuts grew on trees. <laughs> uh, we get a yam transition, a bunch of sloppy uh, yam... <laughs> Falls on Tim and hot sloppy yams, <laughs> sloppy mams, mams. What? Mams? I don't know. That's a that's that's a website, Landon, that we are not promoting because they have not paid us. <laughs> <laughs> they because they, because they canceled my membership. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we go back home. I'm gonna hand this off to you while I compose myself. Jill's uh, doing kitchen stuff. Yes, Jill is doing kitchen stuff. Moreover, she is getting a box of Tim's old clothes together to give to the needy. And Tim's oh. favorite sweater is in there, which is this this yeah. mishmash of like argyle and brown and tan and all sorts of other things. The sweater we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, where it's like that that legitimately looks like one of the outfits they have for Randy every week. I think that I think that the thing is that in the '90s, they there was a very nuanced and subtle taste for a for tacky sweaters whereas now it like every year young people go and intentionally buy the ugliest sweaters they can for holiday parties and there's become a cottage industry of making them intentionally terrible right right ugly campy fashion has somewhat become chic in its own way and so the line between good and bad has been blurred to the point of oblivion it's it's because now it is a common and hip trendy thing for people to shop at the sorts of places that that sweater would have been uh, yeah. donated to. Basically, I. the thrift store. Our ge- our generation is basically a generation of bennies in that we go to like Goodwill and <laughs> thrift stores to try and buy trendy shit, or maybe it's yeah. just that we're all poor. I take it for yep. what you will. Uh, Tim comes in having uh, gotten Rudolph all uh, up on the roof and. Yes. Uh, Jill tries to pawn off the eel pie on him as she tells him to go pick up Randy from the soup kitchen, saying, take that with you. Yes. And the box of clothes, and Tim goes, box of clothes. Wait a minute. I smell something fishy, and it's not this eel pie. Good line. Solid line. He didn't good. say that. I said that. Oh. Well, it was a good line. It was a solid Thank line. You. It's a line I would have written had I written the episode. Hey, Chekhov's eel pie. You know, if it's introduced in the first <laughs> act, et cetera, et cetera. So he digs through. He finds the uh, the sweater. He just goes, not going to work this year. Or like, no, worked last year. Not going to work this year. Which I I have to say, I love it when... Jill is being clever and trying to outsmart Tim, and I love the occasional <laughs> times when Tim catches on to it because he's yeah. like the kind of like him, like it's like they're you know he's like ah very nice I've met my match Moriarty but not this time like he, he seems <laughs> so kind of pleased by it and smug yeah, in a way I that like I that. like intellectual Tim is is a, a fun thing to think about. Uh, we get a cafeteria tray transition to yes. the soup kitchen. Randy yes. is doling out some soup. Yes. 
how, how are you this fine evening, sir? He says to an unhoused person with a bowl. And the guy says, just serve it up, soup boy. And Randy <laughs> says, my pleasure. If you want anything with that, see Cracker Boy. Hence the nicknames. And then he goes and sits down in character actor corner. What? <laughs> That's right. Uh, this character named Nick, as we will learn later in this episode uh, scene, uh, is played by Carmen Philby. Mm. Our, uh, I ask you this every week, and I feel like I get the same answer every week. Did this gentleman look familiar to you? I'm just going to full on say no, but let me guess. He, oh, okay. he's, he's got 7,000 credits. <laughs> Close. 104. Um, okay, okay. Okay, here we go. I'm going to I'm going to organize this a little bit differently this week. Uh here are some of his TV credits. Going back to The Naked City, um mm. Beretta, Wonder mm. Woman, Rhoda, Barney Miller, Fantasy Island, TJ Hooker, Remington Steel, Quantum Leap, Growing Pains, Married with Children, Fresh Prince, Roseanne, Boy Meets World. Here are some of his movie credits. <clears throat> uh The Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. Uh, I need a voice in that. Weird. Uh, Love it. Okay. Okay. Escape from New York, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Alligator 2, The Mutation, Wayne's World, Ed Wood. There's our Ed Wood connection. The Wedding Singer, which is probably his most famous role. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, his uh, best role has to be Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers, playing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Reverend Mm -hmm. Jackson P. Sayer. He's probably the only actor. I can't verify this, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm backing you at solidarity with uh, unsubstantiated facts here. But he might be the only actor to have worked both with Michael Myers and Mike Myers. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the <laughs> a. Although I don't know, I, Paul Rudd might be as well. I don't know if Paul Rudd ever worked with Mike Myers. I can't recall off the top of my head. So Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Wayne's World, and like what was the other one from that time period? Because you hit Beetlejuice. like a, Beetlejuice. That was a huge yeah. trifecta of movies for me. Like just those, <laughs> those three. It's a real vibe and, of yeah, yeah. And he he's uh, iconic in a lot of those too. Like Beetlejuice, he's the uh, the administrator that is flattened out and goes through the wall and like hands off papers and stuff. Oh shit! Okay, okay. Yeah. Huh. And and you know we and we all remember when my mind got blown by uh, Elliot. Uh, uh, Robert Goulet being in Beetlejuice. Um, <laughs> That's right. Okay, was he... Uh, well, I can't ask you if he was on ER. That's my job. Was he on Cheers? <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't look these up. Let me do that on the fly. He was not in Cheers. Frasier? He was not in Frasier. NYPD Blue. Did you say that? He was not, not in NYPD Blue. Hmm... <sighs> I am going to say that he was not on ER because it seems like he was doing more comedy. (laughs) Uh, Despite having a really balanced career of TV and movie, he never appeared in ER. Wow, man. If only I'd nailed this episode's absolutely flawless God-tier title, I (laughs) I think we would have been in the clear on this one. Uh, Which is strange. You know, he... This is from his own bio, so please don't think I'm being insensitive, but he was often cast as uh, what 
drunken bums and mangy drifters is what I, verbatim what it says there. Dr- drunken bums and mangy drifters is the title of a book <laughs> that I'm going to write about my life, I think. <laughs> uh, I, I do love that, though, how, how, you know, you look at those IMDb pages and it's like you are either a cop or you are like a, yeah. or the president or a bum. Like there are yeah. certain types of guy. But, you know, listen, Carmen was able to not only play drunken bums and mangy drifters, he sometimes played mangy bums and drunken drifters. <laughs> and but, so here, here's, here's a side fact that I found kind of funny. Um, his, his bio ends by saying, because he died in 2003, uh, he was survived at the time um, of his death by his sister, Carmina. <laughs> Carmen and Carmina. I don't mean to laugh at that, but that, that it's, those it's, you, it's something. Your parents are not super creative. I, with all due respect to your career, I all like. Do you? Th- how many times do you think in his career of playing bums and drifters did yeah. he play a character who is drinking some liquor while a crazy thing happens, sees it, and is so shocked that he pushes the bottle away? Which is something he, that I have talked might, about. He might do that in the wedding singer, which is his most uh, iconic um, uh, role. Okay. He's the like when he when Adam Sandler gets drunk that night and they befriend a bum. I don't know if you uh, are familiar I, with. I have I've in fact not seen The Wedding Singer. I just have yeah, not okay. seen a lot of Sandler movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> of the people you don't need to apologize to, I am the least. Well, I I and I understand that as well. But I think it's more just to the world. It's like I've I've you know I'm not going to endure people going like oh, you haven't seen Happy Gilmore and just like I have I haven't seen it. It's not my thing. Let's talk about uncut gems. Okay, but go on. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's Carmen Filpi. Um, very very popular and long running character actor. Uh, welcome to our corner. Let's get back to the episode. Welcome to our corner. Now get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> Tim tries Make to yourself give... comfortable. Yes. What I'm saying. Yes. K- kick your feet up and have some free soup, but only <laughs> if you actually need it. <laughs> your plaque is in the mail. <laughs> give us your headshot, sign it, and put it on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> we want you to feel comfortable. Um. So Benny. Okay. So yeah. T- uh, Tim and and Randy are talking with the guy who runs the place. And then, oh, that is another character actor corner. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's why we got this, comfortable. This one is very, very quickly. Uh, Lee Boick plays Joe, the uh, soup kitchen owner. He has nine credits. Hmm. His okay. most popular is a show called Home Improvement. I, like, uh, but like, he, was also, he was also on two episodes of Webster. Is is like is it his most popular? Because there's like a fan site where like all of his fans voted, and this episode <laughs> is the most popular. Maybe. Uh, are, are Landon? Do you run that fan site? Maybe. Oh god, dude! Uh, gotta take away your web design license. Um. So, <laughs> I am gonna just go out on a limb and say this dude wasn't on ER then, because it would you be a pretty huge gag. Yep. <laughs> That'd be like he, he's been in. He's been in two instructional videos and WandaVision or something, it, it, you know, in this day and age. Uh, his credits are Russian number two, um, Gun Club member, Ooh. Slick, King Mortimer, and DiCaprio. What? <laughs> what? I don't know. The, and, and DiCaprio. And much like DiCaprio, it took this guy a very long time to get an Oscar. Uh, or not at all. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, that's character actor. Thanks, Lee. 
Yes, thank you, Lee. Salute. Next year, be in the Revenant or something. That'll help. Uh, so <laughs> they try to pawn off the eel pie on him. He says, if you know, Tim says, if you serve it, they will come. Uh, the uh, guy runs soup kitchen counters. If I serve it, they will barf. That's funny. Um, but then Benny comes in. Everybody there, maybe not everybody, but a few people yell Benny when he walks yeah. in. And folks... <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me, but I like it when a character walks into a public establishment and is greeted by everyone yelling his name. That's kind Any of a character? thing that I like. Any, I mean, well, I guess not like Hitler, but like, uh, you know, <laughs> Ronald Reagan. I mean, okay, I can think of a few cases where I don't love it, but generally, yeah. <laughs> um, but... <I> <laughs> go so he he comes in i mean look all i'm saying is there was a beer hall putsch so like <laughs> like yeah it, okay he had a lot of friends at a bar okay so um <laughs> he so benny comes in he is every, people clearly recognize him he orders up yeah. a bowl of soup tim and randy uh drop to the ground so he doesn't see them uh, but they yeah, realize duck behind the counter to, to kind of watch like what's benny doing here yeah and um what he's doing is getting some soup, and so they sneak out. And well, I, Tim goes. Well, Tim asks Joe, the the owner of the soup kitchen, goes, uh, what, "Oh yeah, what's he doing here?" And Joe's like, "Oh, Benny's been coming in a, a lot recently." And uh, Randy and and Tim sneak outside and kind of look through an outside window, and they see him, you know, sticking his finger, sticking his finger in the eel pie. Come on, Benny! Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> Well, um, in Benny's defense, no one else is going to eat it. Like, the eel pie know. is getting used. <laughs> there there might be a chef who has fallen on hard times who – this might be his only taste of, like, a decadent thing beyond whatever Campbell's soup that – of soup he's going to get that evening. Oof, that's, that's downright Dickensian, Landon. I <laughs> hate to think of the Michelin star chef who is at a Hamtramck soup kitchen fiending for some eel pie, but but Benny ate it all. Well, you never know. You never know is all I'm saying. Uh, okay. You don't know people's stories. <laughs> so it's like, it's like your version of Unsolved Mysteries. It's like, you don't know people's stories with me, Landon Solano. Sometimes where we tell you stories of people that you don't know. Uh, so back home, Tim yeah. is sitting on the couch watching some kind of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer claymation slash marionette special. It's, it's one of the Rankin and Bass. I was trying to pinpoint which one it was. It's one of the Santa Claus. I think it might be Santa Claus comes to town, but I, I couldn't verify that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is right around the same time that Tim is becoming Santa Claus, too. <laughs> right, in, yeah. In his other life. Yeah. Uh, so yes, this is where Tim is calling Benny. He's leaving him a voicemail. I guess, well, back then it was just answering machine message. Right. Uh, not sure if you still live at this house, but if you do, please call back whenever. You know, I want to reconsider whatever. You know, you're invited yeah. to Thanksgiving. And Dissolve. Tim's asleep on the couch while uh, Rankin and Bass continues to play on the TV. And then my notes just become, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> because him. <laughs> you, is that Fergie or is that... Uh, Gwen Stefani, I can't remember. Oh shit! I think that's Fergie. Uh, I, I was. I, I feel like of the two, I'd be more of a Stefani. But yeah, yeah, I, I was hollering back. Uh, Tim wakes up, and yep. the whole world's made of wood, and Tim's made of wood. Uh, it's so, walk me through your experience here. This is because I knew this was coming. I. Uh, 
because you know i look forward to the episodes and to kind of do some research and stuff but i i had no i mean well i i had some idea that something like this was happening because you've told me before they do a claymation episode at some point in this yeah. show yeah but not not, not, I didn't not it was this episode yeah um it just i just loved it it just looked so good i was blown away good. at how well this worked and my biggest thing was like could they do the whole show like this? Because already <laughs> the biggest thing holding home improvement back yeah. is that it isn't a cartoon. If it was a cartoon, <laughs> I think we would immediately forgive Tim for so much of what he does. I because think you might be right. Yeah. Look, I mean, cause like he's on par with Homer Simpson in terms of dumb shit he does. And I have a much yeah. warmer perception of Homer Simpson, a man who, you know, chokes <laughs> his son all the time and does right. this du- because it's still like, yeah, hey, he's a doofus, but he loves his wife and kids. You know, Hey, Gabagool. So, so I, I I think that the, that like we would just like it. I mean, I would love it more if the show was always this. I, I think you might be right. I, I back you on that. Yeah. Okay. For, there is some agreement. Um. Yeah. I just. I it 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 looks so good and it works so well. And I I don't I don't know about how much it works. I will. I I want to give props to the craftsmanship of this. The animation. Oh, I mean, God. it it's just chef's kiss. I mean, it looks so good uh like the the smoothness of it and yeah. knowing that this was done before computer graphics clearly they're not taking you know toy story technology and and recreating this uh for a tv show like that would be so expensive yeah. this had to have been handmade and I, maybe since like season 5 putting this into process like how long it would have taken to put all that together it, it it looks almost like they got was it Rankin Bass was you said that was the name of the mm-hmm. people who yeah i feel like they got those people or people who worked at that company to do this Good because question. it it looks so clearly like those old 60s stop motion specials where like oh it's you know like the, there was like Halloween ones and there were the Christmas ones. Like it looks spot on for that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm looking to see if there's any special credits for. Um, uh, you know, it might have. I, I would have assumed that maybe Rankin and Bass were, were passed away at this time. Uh, most maybe likely, it was, maybe it was like an assistant animator that yeah. came on, or, or maybe not. I don't. Know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they had. Their... I'm sure it was a company with a staff of people who like learned. There was you know institutional knowledge there that got passed on. Yeah. Um, but oh, here animation department. Well, there's a whole animation department for this episode. Yeah, well, that so, would make sense. Yeah, there you go. Um, <clears throat> but so Tim is you know Tim gets up saying, "Oh man, I feel kind of stiff," and then Randy and Jill and and the other boys come downstairs. Down, yeah. And Randy says, "Dad, w- what gives? We woke up and we're made out of wood." And Tim is just running around talking about how we need to be better to the needy, and we you know why am I worrying about this holiday lights contest? I'll donate the lights to the homeless and jill is like well what are they going to put them up on they don't have homes so tim decides we're going to donate the whole house so he's pulling everything out of the kitchen and throwing it into this magical box that you know the fridge goes in and everything and yeah, it's the microwave just, just tearing the entire kitchen apart it, and immediately it just like the cartoon physics of it just works so well for tim's personality <laughs> um and Jill tells him at one point, you're caring, you're giving, you're loving, and you've got a termite coming out of your ear. And Tim pulls this cute little termite out of his head and says that something that I guess upset you. Even the lowliest creature needs a friend and a place to live or something. And then he pushes no, it no, back it, into his I head. Think that's applicable for this situation. Uh, I, I do not think – we'll get to it later, but applied to Benny, mm. lowliest does not apply – is not I applicable. See. I see, I see. Um – 
But yeah, so then Tim goes out back and he starts dismantling the fence to give the pieces of it to the homeless. Uh, he's, which, yeah, he's like, or not the homeless, the fenceless. <laughs> oh, the fenceless, yes. <laughs> but he, the entire time, he's just bouncing around, you know, giving out these, like, charitable words of, not even wisdom, but just like, uh, at one point with the the family, um, you know, I can't remember one. Of, I think it was Mark that said something, and Tim just goes, "You, you, 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 you. People have to stop thinking about yourself. You people have to stop thinking about yourselves." Yeah, and, you know. So he's bouncing around every line, saying something to that degree. And so when he's outside and he's, you know, taking off his half of the fence, which you know, this might not be the time to nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just have questions about how do you decide how to divvy up halves of fences. But whatever, I've, I'm not going to get that's, into it. That's right an academic uh, quibble when when it's a wood guy in a dream <laughs> throwing fences into a card like throwing ten you know or like six foot tall fence posts into a small cardboard <laughs> yeah. box and they disappear completely. <laughs> Your Honor, objection withdrawn, sustained. Your withdrawal is sustained. Uh, <laughs> So he's out there dismantling the fence, and Heidi Ho, wood neighbor, and Wilson pops up from behind the fence, and uh, uh, Wilson says, I never realized you had such a heart of gold. Tim pulls a golden heart out of his chest and throws it in the box. Wilson says, uh, he says, this'll, uh, this'll fix the dental needs of the toothless. <laughs> or they could just sell it and use the money to fund more meals. I mean, I don't need to get into the economics of the issue. <laughs> and then... Wilson says, I'd love to lend a hand. And folks, what do you think? Where do you think that goes? <laughs> Tim pulls uh, Wilson's hand off and puts it in the box. Boom. Um, Cut to tool time. I, we're still in claymation or whatever, and it's really cool. And inexplicably, Al is a big snowman. <laughs> Why? Why? Why is Al a snowman? I mean, I like the look of it. I like every, But, like, here's here's the kind of gritty underbelly of this whole sequence is that this is playing from the psyche of the character of Tim, the tool man Taylor. So he's telling himself, I have a heart of gold. He's telling himself, I take all of these values uh, to heart. I believe in these values when he so rarely demonstrates that in his everyday life. So every little thing in terms of the story kind of bothers me in a, in a slight way where it's just like, okay, so now we're on tool time, and now we have Tim's psyche's version of Al, and it's a snowman instead of like, why can't I just... I, I've been... Listen, if you follow us on Twitter, I've been... Since 2018, hashtag BorlandPop 2018, <laughs> I want an action figure of Al Borland. Uh, at some point, and you have I, to just even hire in the show, it's been Even in the show, it's been taken away from me. I don't get a, a legitimate one. I get a Funko Pop variation, a gold-plated snowman version of Al Borland. But in the same sense, wouldn't you say that, like, Al, who lives for building things, then himself has been constructed? <laughs> Fair. Okay. I, but you, quite... you would say that either way, because he, he he's going to be made of wood and... and you know, he's no more or less constructed than Tim is. But yes, but he's also jolly, just like uh, Frosty the Snowman. All right. Well, I'm not. Whatever. I'm not going to be inject my cynicalness into this any further. I have questions about the stereotyping of jolly, but whatever. Keep going. Oh, uh, look, look. I, I'm just saying that I think. <laughs> I think that that I I, I probably. 
Look, I, I agree that a lot of the way Tim is behaving in this and the things that he's espousing and these views that he has of himself are so at odds with how he normally behaves. I totally yeah. agree with that. My counterpoint is, look, it's cool. Look at the thing. Look, it's like <laughs> there. It's like, it's like Listen, just at the you, old shows. Look. You, I, I acknowledge you are on the right side of this issue. <laughs> and and it is, you. your point of view is something that I should strive toward. I, I, uh, I acknowledge that. And, um, uh... I, it, it's not an I agree and we are in agreement. It's something else, but um, I don't know what. I, I think really more than anything, it's just that my my frame of mind, I've gotten myself to a place where I I just, I have the expectations of a person watching primetime ABC in 1996. <laughs> like, okay, I want okay. exactly what they want from this show, which is just like, oh, ooh, fun. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I don't know. The Stockholm syndrome just hasn't kicked in with me yet. Uh, yeah, um, you're you're still resisting, man. Just let them break down the the last the last piece of you. You know, just uh, get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> surrender in your mind. Uh, uh, okay, so finish out the sequence. Okay, so uh, Al Snowman Al introduces the Binford 6100 Tulapalooza, which is an anthropomorphized tool, probably the Grunt Creep's second cousin, <laughs> that has a million different functions. It welds, it grinds, it does absolutely oh. everything. Wait, did Tim fall into the void? That's is kinda, that where all this is happening? Maybe, or maybe he does at the end of this when he goes into the box. <laughs> That's one way to think. Wait, about. where do you go if this is if this is the reality of the void? Where do you go if you go into the portal to the void in the void? I, I think that takes. Does you the to void the real have world? a void? I don't think the void. Ha- I can't imagine a void within a void. That becomes Inception dream it's, layers stuff. It's, it, the infinite reality, uh, quantum physics, string theory, uh, shown to us here on Home Improvement and simulation, etc. Uh, <laughs> but so Tim, Tim is asking about other features of this tool. He says, "Does it feed the hungry? Does it clothe the naked? Does it he- does it heal the sick?" At which point, Tim has basically become Jesus, I guess. Meanwhile, his id should be saying, more power, more power. Arr, arr, arr. Like, that's what his dream would be. I'm just, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm yes. backing away from the microphone. I'm going, you, 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 I'm the same volume to you, but everyone else, I'm okay. far away from the microphone. Okay, no, no one can hear Landon. Okay. So, the, <laughs> so uh, anyway, Al pushes go on the tool thing or whatever. It comes out with a couple of buzz saws, lunges at Tim, and it chops off his head. And Tim's headless body carries the box over and tries to jump into it. Tim is saying, like, oh, I never used that thing anyway. I, let's donate it. And uh, so Wilson's hand pulls Tim's body into the box. And then Tim's head is bouncing around. And it jumps into Al's arms. And he goes, like, Al, go long! And he, like, flies into Al's arms. At this point, this is, this, this, I am just... Just my jaws on the floor, just pure glee. Just Tim playing football <laughs> with Al with his own head on Thanksgiving. And then Al throws the head into the box and it goes into the box. I actually wrote the box as the void. And then Snowman oh, oh yeah, and then Snowman Al does an end zone dance after he sinks it, which is great. <laughs> I did like that touch. I mean I liked yeah. The whole construction of everything was was great. I just didn't like the Writing of it. <clears throat> yes. Anyway. Okay. So, and then Tim wakes up to a ringing phone, real Tim, live Tim, yep. unfortunately, and it's Benny. Yep. And Tim it's invites Benny. him over. Yep. And, and we get a scene slide transition to dinner. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, we the start table. on the we start on the centerpiece and pull back. Uh, Eileen is helping Jill set the table, and Al is setting the fire in the fireplace. Uh, I like that Al has reached that level of trust with Tim. Yeah, it's like it does. That feels like something Tim would be like. My house, my fire. But uh, he's like, you know what, Al? It's Thanksgiving. You do it. More likely than not, Tim does have that that viewpoint, but Jill is like, well, if I wait around on Tim to do it, it'll never get done. Al, go light the fire. <laughs> right, right. And um, Jill compliments the centerpiece. <laughs> Al goes, oh, really? You like it? Uh, that's a product of our adult ed class, uh, cornucopia for couples. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is just which is just good. I feel which like in great. in this day and age that would be some kind of delivery box kit that that you subscribe to that gets advertised on podcasts. <laughs> right. <laughs> to catch a serial killer for couples. Um Ding Dong Benny, uh Benny Ding Dongs and comes in. Yep. And uh well he doesn't come in. Before before they open the door, Jill is like, "Okay, Defcon 4, everybody. Uh be nice, like, but don't don't let them onto uh, you know. They, don't what let, we're doing here. Don't don't let them know that we feel sorry for him and we pity him. Right. Uh, she opens the door and Benny sidles in and uh, she hugs him and you know mm-hmm. all the kids run down like oh hi Uncle Benny and you know shakes hands with Al and then he hugs yeah. Eileen for a really creepily long time. Just so long, just really bad, just real real bad. She'll uh, also calls him the guest of honor, and I'm like, Ugh. you can invite him over dinner. Why does he have to be the guest of honor? Uh, it's Benny. Oh yeah. my god. Okay. Um, then Tim comes down wearing the sweater, which yep. I thought was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they all sit down to dinner, and they all join hands, and Jill suggests mm-hmm. they uh, start giving thanks. And then Benny's cell phone rings. Uh, they all hold hands. Yeah. Tim's giving this really heartfelt. Uh, you know, we need to be thankful for blah blah blah. Yeah, then then his cell phone rings and well, and, so there's like this really cheesy music that plays. It was like, oh, we're going into one of these moments, and I actually I lost track of the time. I think in the the cartoon void, um, time doesn't work the same. It's all relative. Yeah, yeah. and I thought we were at the end of the episode, and that this cheesy music was going to be like that Christmas episode we saw a couple years ago <laughs> that just for at the end of a scene just, just pan. Just, Panned up to the star is a no, no, no. Well, that one too, but the one where it panned up to the star on the top of the tree and the words "peace on earth" just came up. (laughs) God, I remember that. That was a weird episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, but no, it definitely. And this is a thing that I liked, though. The episode fakes us out by making it seem like, "Yep, we just invited this dipshit into our lives. Forgive everybody." I would have, I would have rather that been the case to go. Oh, okay, I, I can sympathize with Benny now. Uh, he is a bit of a jerk, but, um, and a bit of a slob and whatever, but, you know, let's cut him some slack because he's on hard times. Yes. But, nope, in the middle of this thank you speech, uh, Benny's phone rings and he takes it, um, which is just as annoying in 2021 as it was in 1996. Yeah. At least in 1996, like, this is probably the first time any of them had ever seen a cell phone before, so they didn't even know to be embarrassed, like, to be pissed by it. Al has a cell phone. Okay, fair, and so does Niles Crane. <laughs> Al, Benny, and Niles Crane all talk to each other on their cell phones about oh what I have no idea. Um, Benny takes the call, and it's his bookie, and he's asking about the spread and wants to make uh, a spread on the Lions game. And he goes, "Okay, I want to put two thousand uh, two hundred dollars down." And as soon as he hangs up, Jill calls him out. There's, <laughs> I like that. There's no more like tiptoeing around this. Jill's just mm-hmm. like, "We thought you were destitute." 
Yeah. And, and like she says, a person who's destitute shouldn't be gambling. And he says, yeah, I agree. What does that have to do with me? And they say, well, what does that have to do with me? Hey, I don't I, get it. I agree with you. Hey. And they say, well, we saw you at the soup kitchen. What were you doing there? And he goes, I like the soup. <laughs> Why you would? I'd pay with it with my tax dollars. Hey, what are you getting so angry about? What tax dollars? You haven't had a job in years. And <laughs> someone says, you're a mooch. And then Eileen just goes, I let him hug me. And I'm glad she verbalized that because during yes. the hug, I'm just like, this is, this is, this needs to be commented upon. <laughs> and I'm glad that she took that with her. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not glad that she took that trauma with her, but I'm glad that she mentioned it so that we could all have healing catharsis. I, this is the thing about this episode. Like, I get that you hate Benny. I hate Benny too. Be- like, I think we both are agreed in that we hate Benny. What I like yeah. about this episode is that it didn't end with, oh, we all need to forgive. It ends with all these well, people. <sighs> it ends with all these people roasting Benny. Look, it's like it's like Avengers: Infinity War. It isn't saying like, yeah, Thanos is a good guy. What he's doing is great. We all should support him. Like, it's very like you know, it ends with everybody roasting him. Well, in Avengers, they portray Thanos' philosophy with a bit of uh, pathos at the very least. Benny mm. doesn't have that. Benny's literally taking soup from a soup kitchen because he likes the taste of it, and he thinks he pays for it with his tax dollars. Yeah, it would be a shame if we lived in a country where people, you know, uh, had such cavalier attitudes about what they owe to society and what they are owed <laughs> by society. I that's I think it's why it bothers me because I see the extension of where this led. <laughs> yes, okay, I see. I but, see. Okay, okay. But and to your other point about them roasting him, yes, but I have a yes but for that, Ooh. which we'll get into in mere minutes. Um so Benny gets all pissed. He's like, "Hey, I don't know what you're so angry about." Uh and he gets angry and he takes a, a roll as he leaves. It's just like Benny's going to Benny. And uh, he's like, fuck you guys. I don't need to be here. I can't believe I gave up my Thanksgiving to spend with you. Fuck off, motherfuckers. And then he walks out. I mean, it was this was NC-17 for a reason. <laughs> uh, and there, so everyone is furious about this. And Al is just steamed. And he goes, he's just a freeloading scallywag. <laughs> Which, it's... Uh, Common mispronunciation. I don't mean to push my wow, glasses man. up my nose here, oh, but yeah, you're pushing they up say into scallywag here. It's it's scallywag. Well, you know what? They've they've all just had a traumatic experience. They were all just exposed <laughs> to Benny. You can barely talk <laughs> okay, at the end of okay, every fair. episode we do. Okay, you got exposed right, to Benny right. I, for a whole <laughs> evening. <laughs> okay, I uh, point taken. Objection withdrawn. Okay, I am really doing well in court today. The judge must like me, or I'm just a good litigator. Uh, so Tim insists that they just like try and move on with their night, go ahead and eat. But then yeah. he starts seeing uh, hey, well, acid flashbacks. He, he literally, so when he says he sits down, this is what pisses me off. He unfolds his napkin, he sets it on his lap, and and Brad goes, "Are we going to have to still call him Uncle Benny?" And Tim just looks at him, and goes, "He's not going to be around here anymore." And at that point, my heart sang. I'm like, oh, is that what this is going to be about? Are they writing Benny off the show? This episode's all about boundaries. <laughs> so I went from, oh, okay, I can sympathize with Benny, to, no, Benny is worse than I thought, to, good, there are ramifications for Benny being Benny, and we aren't going to see him anymore, to... <laughs> Tim's interpretation of what lowliest is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So t- take us through the next few things, because I, I 
I don't want my negative tone to, to taint the end of this episode. Uh, yes, just just the other 90%. So, yep. uh, sh- you know, Tim is having acid flashbacks from his wood dream <laughs> of, you know, uh, the termite being being like, oh, even the lowliest creature needs help. And like Tim's head is on the, Tim's wood head is on the, the turkey plate going like, oh, show a little compassion. Uh, you know, and again, the moral here could not be more at odds with uh certain things that Tim Allen has talked about on certain Mark Maron podcasts recently, but Tim decides, no, we need to help the less fortunate. And so he goes out the front door and Benny is sitting there on the doorstep. Why hasn't Benny gone anywhere else? Is he John Candy at the end of planes, trains and automobiles? Who knows? <laughs> uh, and, and, listen, there is even a window of opportunity here for them to go that direction with it. Mm-hmm. But no, he, he sees Benny out there and you know, he goes, Benny, what what's going on? And Benny says, eh, I didn't mean any harm by it. It's just my nature. And it's just like, f- fucking change your nature. Yeah. <laughs> what can just I do? There's, there's literally no such thing as a stagnant personality. You are constantly changing. You are making decisions. You can make a decision not to be you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And the fact that Tim is looking at this as like he agrees – it's just your nature. You're right. You can't change. You are exactly who you are always going to be, and I should have compassion for you. And I disagree with that. Benny is making a choice to be a slobby fucking asshole, and Tim is making a choice to Oh, okay. Listen, I'm backing away from the microphone again. I'm backing away. Backing you are away. you are you are getting your your steps for the day and just backing <laughs> closer and further away from the microphone. <laughs> I I this I oh, okay. My fueled yeah, by back, white I hot thought. rage. <laughs> It's it's oh man we're almost out. A, I'm having a, a moment with this microphone. Here. Just, look, just just drink it. Just drink a small Dixie cup full of water okay. or something. Right, okay, I got a whole bottle here. Well, okay, that's not the right size. Get a Dixie cup or it won't work. So, <laughs> uh, Tim Tim basically explains to Benny the concept of having empathy for other human beings. I guess like have you ever heard of giving something back? Thinking about other people, uh, worrying about people who are less fortunate than you. And Benny says, I guess I shouldn't have taken soup from people who need it. I shouldn't mooch off you and Harry in every supermarket chain in the Detroit area. And so then Benny jumps up and says, you know, I'm going to go down to that soup kitchen and help out. No way. No way is he going to do that. He's not going to, even if he intends to in that moment, he's going to get two steps away and he's going to like go into an erotic cake (laughs) shop or something. Is it because I stepped away from the microphone that you took over? (laughs) Like my, my... My voice filled the other half of your brain there, and you had to jump in for me putting those comments in. I, well, no, I mean, I sincere, look, I don't like Benny either. I can, I can, I, I don't believe for a second that someone who just who has never considered being uh, charitable in their life just gets up and decides to walk through the snow to go volunteer on Thanksgiving at a soup kitchen. I don't believe that person is going to make it. That person, yeah. whatever part of that person made them be the way they are for their entire life, is going to be in their head for the duration of that 20 minute walk telling them ah well maybe you know what volunteer twice as hard tomorrow that'll be better and now to the <laughs> betting parlor um that's this, this whole this whole scene has a good message but i don't believe the person delivering it and the whole thing is written as if tim is delivering the the monologue the lesson to a 10 year old brad like mm. he's literally treating benny as a child in this scene. And Benny is acting like a child. Then, and, but then it makes sense 
to treat Benny like it. If he's a, if it if it looks like a child and it quacks like a child, it's probably a child. And although <laughs> Benny doesn't look like a child, you get the point. Okay, so because I, I don't. It's having taking two weeks off has kind of also given me time to process older episodes. And I, I had a thought about last week's episode too, uh, which I had similar reactions to, which is that. I feel like giving this episode to Benny and giving last week's episode to Tim, like, is taking away from other characters on the show. Last week was the opportunity for Heidi to take the center stage, and instead they they pivoted and made it toward Tim. I get it, Tim's, you know, what the show is predicated on. The, the show is based on the comedy of Tim Allen. <laughs> We're six seasons in. Like, if you're ever going to have time to do that, now is the time. You know, like, Heidi's pregnant. I want to see, you know, Heidi as a character for once and not Tim's reaction to a pregnant woman, which is all it amounted to. Here, you know, okay, I get you couldn't do the whole destitute fake-out thing, but, you know, this is a lesson that I feel like would have been very interesting to see Tim deliver to, like, Mark. If Mark was having a you know teenage problems and maybe he you know was stealing from a store or you know uh, take take the the Goodwill box of clothes and develop something out of that where Mark is stealing from those things because he he likes the clothes that you know are being donated or something and it's it's like there's an actual lesson that can be learned there that has the same tone that he's delivering to Benny but in a way that it's being received by a person that isn't Benny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it all just comes down to that, and I need to shut the fuck up. Uh, I just, I don't know. I I see a better episode here, and I hate the the black inner rot that this episode has. And I really like it when everyone became claymation cartoons. So uh, <laughs> two Again, sides of the same coin. You are on. I, I I strive to be you. That's that's all I'm saying. I I. I admired that. Listen, I'm, I'm. Wish I had that. I am Jonathan Br- Price in the very last shot of Brazil. They've, they've gotten to me. I have gone to my happy place in my mind. Um, so, anyway, the, um, we, you know, they, they go down to the, the soup kitchen. Uh, Tim recognizes a sweater on a homeless dude. I have a sweater just like that. And Jill elbows him and says, "Not anymore." Uh, and then they need some more turkey carved, and Tim goes over to do it. But then the Andretti brothers burst out of a side door with a couple of chainsaws. And, uh, who boy, there is going to be some meat. <laughs> Indeed there is. And that's the end of the episode. We go to our outtakes. Uh, now. Now, we only I... have to spend an hour and a half discussing one of these outtakes. <laughs> Join us for part two of this episode. Um, I feel like there's a there's a well known motto in Hollywood: "Don't work with ch- uh, children and animals." Um, I think it, it, at this point it probably could be amended to say, "Don't work with children, animals, and chainsaws." Mm. I've never, if there's ever a chainsaw in a movie, I guarantee you there's an outtake of the chainsaw not working. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, hey, you know, who better though to be dealing with that? You know, who who better to have on set for that than Richard Karn and Tim Allen? <laughs> Fair point. Fair a for a former a former apartment handyman and uh, an actor who kind of likes tools. Uh, then we go to the um, claymation, the stop motion outtakes, and mm-hmm. uh, since you enjoyed it, I will let you take the the role on this one. 
it's just it's a shot of the fence from Wilson's side in claymation as Tim and Wilson are talking. The camera then pans down to reveal that Wilson is wearing no pants and in fact no underpants and also high heels. So we're just looking at Wilson's wooden stop motion ass. <laughs> like and I yeah. think about there was a lot of controversy on the internet recently about for the new Space Jam, they have made Lola Bunny <laughs> not super sexy. And I I guess I wasn't aware of just how much guys had, like, at an early age seen it, Space Jam and imprinted on it and come away I, with fetishes. And I'm wondering what... I was certainly too old for that. But from my understanding, you know, like, for me, it was Robin Hood and uh, yeah. the Disney's Robin Hood, which I think just defined a sexual awakening for a generation. I I, uh, I was very confused. I think we've talked about this before, but I was very confused by everybody it. Everybody was. I was. I was on, I was, like, it was like flip a coin, and if it came up the other way, I would have been a furry. It was, it was close. <laughs> but I think, um, I think Space Jam was that for a gener- the, whatever the generation is right after us. Oh, uh, well, I mean, well, look, I mean, and I'm, you know, I, I think I might be that, Oh, I don't know. I guess I'm the I, I, whatever. Like I was, I was at an impressionable <laughs> age when I watched Space Jam, but it just yeah. L- Lola Bunny never did it for. I was a Jessica Rabbit guy. That was the that was the uh, cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, but so, but I'm just wondering. There's got to be some people who were kids <laughs> watching this who got a weird fetish off of wooden Wilson ass and high heels. Like that's I, and you know, listen, if they got a fetish out of it, that's not anything to uh, not shaming point, anyone point at all. and laugh at. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing. I'm not saying it's bad or it's wrong. I think that those God bless those people. I hope that they're enjoying that. But like, I'm just thinking. You got to be careful when you show a thing like that on prime time. You are gonna, you're going to affect lives. You're playing with a loaded gun. Well, I don't know. Um, there's, there's no trivia for this, but you know, sometimes uh, outtakes and stuff like this would be omitted from the original broadcast, maybe only shown in syndication or on home video release. So it might not have graced the actual screens. What you're saying is this is from the uh, home improvement too hot for TV thing that they only (laughs) sell late night. You get this in a double pack with girls gone wild. Indeed. Yes. Um, And I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Not going to, you know, point a finger, but you know, I do think uh, on some level it's the high heels and there's a kind of antiquated look at hiding transgender stuff there but, yes i um, i i agree you can you can read those things into it i i prefer to focus more on the ass than the heels <laughs> i agree weird i i don't again want to make a big deal of it i just don't want to not sound like i didn't acknowledge it don't just no nobody clipped the the line where i say that i prefer to focus more on ass than heels because i think that the out of context could make me look weird fortunately no one's listening at this point we've been talking for so what? long you're more of an ass man than a leg man I, I, I wrong with that. I'm I'm more of an ass man than a shoe fetishist. That might be the thing. <laughs> uh, well, I don't. People don't fetishize the shoes. It's the way that the stilettos make the legs look. Isn't that the thing? I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not. That's not my my that, my deal. But <laughs> that, no, look, that's uh, there. Yes, that's true. People like the way that the shoes make the legs look. There are also people who have a strictly sexual connection to women's shoes and what yeah, they signify. Yeah. Okay. I'm not Fair. one of those people. I just know about it. Landon and Truman pro- protesting too much. Um, 
that's another podcast we should do. Landon and Truman protest too much. We just talk about things we're not into, but we've heard about and know a lot about. Listen, here, here's the good news on that front. We don't have to record any new episodes. I'll just change the title of Grunt Work to that, and voila, we have 200 episodes. Oh, thank God. And and oh, God, what have we done? All right, Landon. Um, I think we're done Truman, here. We're almost done. We still have to do the... Uh? Grunt count. Oh, yeah, the thing the show's about. Landon, how many grunts uh-huh. do you think we got in this episode? Um, okay, so I wrote a number down. I'm pretty confident in it. However, um, I, I'm a little on the fence about the animated sequence where it seems like, you know, Tim was so much in, you know, happy-go-lucky charity mode that I can't picture a grunt, but it seems like the makers would be remiss if they didn't do an animated grunt, right? Like, my my brain is saying, that had to have existed, and I just missed it. Yeah. Um, but I'll just go with my guess, which is I it happened in the opening, uh, the cold open. I only heard two grunts uh, when Tim was bringing out um, uh, something. I don't remember yes. what it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was, um, I think it was something to do with the turkey carving with the sharp knives. Uh, but you're correct. Yeah. The grunt count was two. You nailed it. Uh, yes. I, I agree. When, when we were in claymation, he did something grunt-esque. That, he did, oh no. Yeah, some, it was like an oh no, or like a, or it was like a very gravelly laugh. I yeah. was, I was on point, but no, sadly, not a grunt. Um, but yes, Grunt count of two, so uh, that's uh, that that's a that's an outlier for the season. I have to say. You hear that? You hear that? That's it sounds like a, is it is it the the audience applauding for us? No, that was me patting myself on the back. Oh well, that's good. I, I <laughs> so in a sense, it was the sound of one hand clapping. <laughs> yep, exactly. Okay, okay. Well, consider my mind cleared. Oh, um, I have one bit of business for our post-amble, which is to say that we are going to be doing um, our next live Discord show uh, in uh, about a month from now. Uh, details are going to emerge, so be sure to um, join our mailing list and other places uh, where you'll get the Discord link. It'll go out on our social media and on our website, but if for some reason you miss it uh, and you want to join us, just email us at uh, info at gruntworkpodcast.com, and I'll make sure you get that. So um, that's all I had to say for the post sample. Is there anything, any grunt work business you want to cover before we end? You don't no, have to. I don't think I'm not, so. I'm not yeah, putting yeah. pressure on you. I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have any business. I'm sorry. I think all the business has been done over the course of these six hours. <sighs> okay. Um, then here goes a shortened version of our outro. I try to simplify this thing. Are you oh, ready nice. for this? Yes, I'm ready. <clears throat> Grunt work is made possible by our Patreons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a rate and review over on Apple Podcasts, which is the fastest and easiest way to support us and really goes a long way to help others find the show. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at gruntworkpod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can also see information on today's episode and sign up for our newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. Until next time, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement. I've been, you've been, no, I've been Lana Solano. Sorry. I've been Truman Caps. <laughs> I, did, I did not stick the landing on that. No, well, yeah, because, because you were trying to land and I like dove in front of you. Uh, <laughs> and remember, if the cranberry sauce doesn't perfectly retain the shape of the can when you serve it, it's basically inedible and don't even bother bringing it.